0: This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Bridget, Gabriel, it is wonderful to have you back with us. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: I'm so delighted to be back with you, Peter.
0: So good, and uh, I wish we were talking about a a different subject rather than what is happening at the moment in the Middle East and Israel. But first, uh, the viewers can find you at A-C-T Bridget. uh, And they can also get you on your website, bridgetgabriel.com, just dot .com at the end. Um, And just in case our viewers haven't come across Bridget before, she's been with us before, but she is National Security Analyst, New York Times bestselling author and chairman of Act for America. And her latest bestseller is Rise in Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and Freedom. And I want to get your thoughts on I mean, there's Hamas, there's Islam, there's the Israeli response, there's Benjamin Netanyahu's political legacy, intelligence failures, international political and media response, danger of spreading, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many pieces to this. Um, Let's see what we can unpack in the next 45 minutes. Um, Maybe start at the beginning, October the 7th, uh, the worst attack, I think, in modern day Israel, over a thousand citizens murdered by Hamas on that day. What were your thoughts? I guess, whenever you first saw that breaking, what were your initial thoughts?
1: disbelief uh if i can describe it in one word disbelief watching jewish people run for their lives being chased by hamas terrorists watching hamas uh holding girls running with them the girl on the motorcycle uh kids running uh, hamas uh parading uh women girls uh in trucks and jeeps uh i mean it, it, it was it was disbelief that that this could actually happen in Israel to Israelis on Israeli territory. Um, the first question in my mind was, wh- what happened to security? I mean, Israel is known for the intelligence. The intelligence failure was the first and biggest question uh, that popped up in my mind. How could this be? The intelligence failure, how did it happen? Um, I think a lot of people worldwide were in utter shock that this happened in Israel, that Hamas was able to pull something like this. I mean, look, you and I know people uh, that uh, we have followed the Palestinian uh, problem. We have followed Palestinian news. Nobody in Gaza can pull this off. This This is not brains that put this together in Gaza. Um, So immediately we knew that, uh, uh, you know, as a terrorism analyst who's been following this for years, I knew that Iran was behind it. I mean, um, coming, being born and raised in Lebanon, following the progression of Hezbollah in Lebanon, growing, becoming an army, becoming a major army, uh, structure, uh, discipline, training, all provided by Iran, funding provided by Iran, I knew that Iran was going to be behind the Hamas massacre. Um, So these are all the questions that immediately came to my mind. Um, But again, the word disbelief is what me and many other people across the globe um, probably felt at that moment.
0: Uh, Yeah, there's so many questions, and you're right. One of the reasons I really wanted you on, Brigitte, because you're uh, having grown up in Lebanon, understanding the regional side, understanding the religious context, and now, obviously, uh, living in America and seeing it from a U.S. perspective. So you bring a fascinating myriad of thoughts to this issue. And you're right. My first question was how... Has this happened? Um, how did the Israeli government, the intelligence services, Mossad known throughout the world uh, for how lethal they are, for how well they conduct, for um, the, the, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And then this happens. And my thoughts were actually, if I was an Israeli citizen, I would feel fairly on safe because that trust in those institutions seems to have gone. Is that a kind of a fair assessment?
1: Uh, I I think I think what the Israelis I think what led to this you know, this is a great lead into what led to this, because this is what happens when you take your eye off the ball. This is what happens when you start bickering with each other, uh, forgetting that, uh, and this applies to Israel and America, by the way, because we are experiencing the same type of division in America, but in Israel for the last year, the Jewish people in Israel, the Israelis have felt such division. The country was so totally divided at each other's throat. um, They forgot that they are actually persecuted, but everybody around them, everybody around them wants their annihilation. And the Jewish people and the Israeli people in Israel forgot that you need to Always be united when it comes to your security. I think their hatred towards Bibi Netanyahu, their hatred towards different aspects of the government, the right versus the left, the left versus the right, the religious bloc versus everybody else. I think that division, and remember, I mean, I heard even reservists were refusing to show up even to the reserve in the last year in Israel. So there was many problems leading to this. Um And this goes to show you that we are fighting an enemy who is determined to wipe Israel off the map. Just because Israel was distracted and the Israelis were distracted, bickering with each other over the court system, over the voting system, over the right versus the religious versus the liberal versus the left, and everybody's fighting amongst each other. Hamas did not lose uh, sight of its goal. The Palestinians have never wavered in their hatred towards Israel. And no matter how much they bicker with each other, the Palestinians, they are united on one thing and one thing alone. And that is the killing of all the Jews and driving them into the sea. So what happened on October 7th was a wake-up call for Israelis. I think every Israeli that was living in Israel at that on that day, including those Jews who were visiting from all over the world, because remember, you know, this was a holiday, some HaTorah, Everybody was visiting with their families. They were celebrating the holiday in Israel. This is a time when everybody visits Israel. And I think this was a wake-up call for the Jews worldwide to realize anti-Semitism is real. It's not just little pockets here and there. Oh, maybe it's on the rise. I think what happened on October 7th showed all the Jews worldwide, including Israelis, that the people worldwide hate you they are on the streets demonstrating all over the globe, Sydney, Australia, New York, Canada, whatever country, France, England, whatever country around the world, they are demonstrating against you. And this is why the Jewish people worldwide need to be united on one thing, and that is their security and preservation of their life, their faith, their state, their unity, no matter what happens, no matter how much they bicker with each other on other things, they should never take their eyes off of the security of the state of Israel.
0: You're right, because no other country has to fight for their survival and be prepared at every every single day. That's um, right. Can I ask about the the, the response? Uh, so the response from the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been full fury, and rightly so. Uh, what is your kind of assessment as you look at that military response? Uh, because there, it's a dangerous situation. Going into, uh, going into Gaza. And I think in the past, Israel have failed to deal with this. Um, so, I mean, as you look at the military situation, uh, how do you see that?
1: Uh, I think good for them for showing up in force. I think this time Israel knows this is an existential threat. This is not just words like it used to be in the past. Look, Israel has never been in this situation before. I mean, never. Israel, uh, before Israel, when it was attacked, it dealt with countries, you know, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, they were countries recognized on the world stage. Right now, Israel is dealing with Hamas, which is a group of militia funded by Iran on the southern border. And the northern border, they're dealing with Hezbollah, which is not a country, it's a terrorist organization operating within a country. They have actually taken control of Lebanon, but Hezbollah is not a country, and Hamas is not a country. But they are both funded by Iran, which is an Islamist country devoted for the wiping for wiping Israel off the map. And so, good for Netanyahu for showing full force. Look. I am pro Netanyahu. I because Netanyahu understands the threat. I I I'm not pro person per se, whether in America or in Israel. But the people come and go. It doesn't matter who's serving in whatever position right now. They come and go. I started my organization Act for America in the United States. President George Bush was in power. Bush came and left. Obama came to power. Obama came and left. President Trump came to power. Come frame left, President Biden is in power. In one year, we will no longer have President Biden in power and somebody else is going to come. So I do not look at the person in power. I look at the policies that they support. And Netanyahu, from the beginning, all along, throughout all his political career, he is a national security hawk. He is somebody that the enemies of Israel fear because they know They cannot push Netanyahu, they cannot manipulate Netanyahu, they cannot intimidate Netanyahu. The same way people throughout the world knew that leaders, corrupt leaders, that they could not intimidate or or, or put fear into the heart of President Donald J. Trump in the United States. They did not know what he would do if he was attacked. And the same thing with Netanyahu. So I do support Netanyahu's full force going into Gaza. Good for him to doing that. And I hope that they will not have a ceasefire. Yes, there's a lot of destruction. Look, it's collateral damage. You know... Israel did not ask for this. The Palestinians asked for this. Um, Remember, Peter, Israel left Gaza in 2005, and they took out every single Jewish person out of Gaza. I mean, remember the fights in Gush Katif, when even the, the, the Jewish people did not want to leave, and the Israeli IDF turned against its own people kicking and screaming, dragging them out, taking them, evacuating Gaza in order to turn Gaza to the Palestinians. Israel not only took the Jewish people who were alive out of Gaza, Israel went in and dug the bodies out of the Jewish cemeteries of the people who were buried in Gaza because they knew what the Palestinians are going to do to the cemeteries. You and I know what they do. They have no respect for anything. So, By the end of 2005, there were no Jewish people alive or dead in Gaza. Gaza could have been an oasis. Gaza could have been Singapore. The Palestinians had an opportunity after opportunity uh, to build Gaza, to become Singapore, to build Gaza, to become a commercial center. They have received billions of dollars from the world, but they did not do that. Instead, Hamas invested in building tunnels, billions of dollars that went into the Palestinian authority that Hamas siphoned. Their leaders got rich. They built tunnels instead of investing in their own people. And now they are paying the price. And that's exactly why you are seeing the level of destruction in Gaza, because Israel is not only trying to destroy the building above ground. The majority of the threat, the main threat, is what's underground. And in order for you to destroy the tunnels underground, Israel has to use the force that it is using. And we are seeing the level of destruction that we are seeing. And Israel has to see this through, ignoring all calls for ceasefire from anywhere else in the world. No one else in the world who's calling for ceasefire, Peter, lives in the road. live in Jerusalem. They don't. So they need to allow the people who live in these areas, who are under the attacks of Hamas, to be able to defend themselves.
0: Of course, you hear some from the international community saying those poor Palestinians living in Gaza, they're pawns of the Israelis, they are suffering under the Israelis, they have nothing, they live in an open prison. Um, and... And yet, when you look at the international community, you're right—the money that's uh, that's gone in. But also, what has happened, I think, is a fault of the West because the West have seen the people there living under Hamas and haven't thought of doing a thing about it. Um, so, I mean, how do you see that? Because there are there are people there, um, but that uh, that narrative that oh, it's all the Israelis' fault, and yet you're right. Uh, Those living there have had, certainly the government have had every opportunity to build something special and prosperous.
1: Uh, Look, Peter, everybody talks about, oh, the poor Palestinians, you know, Hamas is bad, but it's the poor Palestinians who are paying the price. Who do you think Hamas is? Hamas did not fly in through the breeze and latch on some tree or latch on some hospital. Hamas are the Palestinians in Gaza. They are a part of the Palestinians in Gaza. They are elected by the people in Gaza. You know, I I speak in my first book titled Because They Hate. I talk about when Hamas did the first election in Gaza. Remember, Israel pulled out. They left everything to the Palestinians. So the Palestinians had their own election, their first election. One of the lady that was elected, her name was um Nidal. She became known as the, the Umm al-Muqawwama, the mother of the resistance. And the reason why she ran, the platform she ran on, is because... She has videos. She sent three of her sons to die as suicide bombers. She actually, part of her campaign was showing videos of her standing next to her sons, putting their suicide belt on, sending them to Israel to blow themselves up. And they did blow themselves up and they did die and they did kill Israelis. So she ran on the platform. I already gave three sons. I have another seven to give. That's why she was elected as a member uh, of the government in Hamas. And that's just the first example in 2006. Who do people think Hamas is? Hamas are the Palestinians living in Gaza. And that's exactly why, you know, uh, they teach. Hamas controls the Ministry of Education. Hamas controls the Ministry of Health. Hamas controls the Ministry of Defense. Hamas controls the Ministry of Communication. They control everything in Gaza. And who do you think works in these people? What do you think? Hamas are like five people that just parachuted into Gaza? They are all the Palestinians living in Gaza. This is the reality that the world has a very difficult problem time accepting. And here's another thing about the poor Palestinians. Where are the Palestinian voices that when when the Hamas terrorists went into Israel on October 7th and kidnapped, uh, okay, we do not want to get into the details about massacring the babies, cutting off the heads, raping women, uh, uh, burning babies in ovens, etc., etc. Let's talk about the women and the children that they kidnapped and took back to Gaza. Where are the Palestinian voices saying, you can't kidnap a six-month-old baby from his mom. You can't kidnap a two-year-old little girl. You can't rape women. We are mothers. We are wives. We are grandmothers. We are women. You know, you can fight man to man, but you cannot rape women. You cannot kidnap children. Where are the, the the voices of the Palestinians' mothers? Nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, what we saw was basically the girls that Hamas took as hostage, raped, and dragged as dead after they killed in the streets of Gaza, that girl was being kicked, shoved, dismantled. Instead of the people saying, no, we don't do this to dead people, especially naked Jewish women being paraded down the streets. Instead, they cheered them on with such glee, with such pride. Even the Palestinians in Gaza who were part of the Hamas massacre on October 7th. I mean, who can forget the guy calling his father? Father, put my mother on the phone. You're going to be so proud. I killed with my own hands 10 Israelis. I just couldn't wait to tell you so you can be proud of me. Who are these people? These are the people of Gaza. These are the Palestinians in Gaza. This is a reflection of a decayed society from the inside. Their end goal is destruction. They celebrate murder and and cutting people off and kidnapping people and raping people. They celebrate it as a joyful act. Not even the Nazis rejoiced like that. While the Nazis wanted to kill their enemies, they did not send their own children to die and then celebrated their death just to kill their enemies. The Nazis did not do that. The Nazis knew they were doing something wrong. That's why they did it in secret. That's why they shot people in the back so they don't have to look them in the eye when they killed them. It's totally different with the Palestinians. So for all the people who are crying about the poor Palestinians in Gaza, all oh, the poor Palestinians paying the price, the Palestinians in Gaza are Hamas. You make your bed, you lay in it.
0: Yeah, and I've um, it's it's shocking when you see that celebration of evil, the celebration of murder, uh, the joy, the joy, uh, it, it's demonic, really. Yeah, it's uh, but also the the when you were speaking, I was thinking actually there are probably many people in Gaza who know where these people are being held, these hostages, and yet there's no rush to to free them or to release them um, and the international community talks about a ceasefire but I mean, release the hostages then by all means we can have some kind of conversation but the call of the international community is for a ceasefire it's actually not for the release of the hostages at all and that's really surprised me.
1: Right. They want the ceasefire basically for the Palestinians and Israel should not have a ceasefire. Look, last time when Israel got into a war with Gaza and they had a ceasefire, Hamas kidnapped the soldier. To this day, he's not returned back to his family. That's what they do when there's a ceasefire. That the international community who is calling on a ceasefire for what? So Palestinians can escape, so they can leave. If the Palestinians can leave in four hours, which is now the pause that they're talking about don't you think hamas fighters can escape as well and israel knows this the, the reality on the ground you know different very different than the young american nitwits demonstrating on the streets the college kids who do not know their own history in the united states let along the history of overseas and the palestinian israeli conflict and that's exactly why they take to the streets they are demonstrating for the ceasefire The ceasefire will hurt only Israel. And actually, instead of preventing bloodshed, it may prevent bloodshed in the short term. Long term, it's going to create even more bloodshed because it's going to empower Hamas. Hamas is going to dance a victory lap. Hey, look, we forced the Israelis to ceasefire. We we are successful against our enemies. We are getting our demands. We get to keep the hostages. We don't have to give anybody back, and we get to have a ceasefire. And meanwhile, Hamas is going to use the ceasefire to move locations, to give a rest to their soldiers, to uh uh. uh Whatever it, is. take a nap, uh, move their ammunition. It all benefits Hamas, not Israel. And right now, Israel needs to take care of Hamas. Period.
0: When you look over at the West Bank, you kind of see how, although it's a, supposedly the same Palestinian people group, um, and yet they are—they don't have the same desire to to murder or kill there is that tension of course but actually it's amazing when you see two groups that call themselves the same and yet one is hell-bent on murder and the other actually complains but actually accepts that they are living beside a neighbor who they have issues with but they get on with life one side can get on with life the other side can't and and that kind of contrast of the same supposed people group is quite intriguing
1: Well, here's the intriguing part. The people in Fatah and the Palestinians in the West Bank are looked at as a sellout to Israel. They're not trusted by Hamas and the people in Gaza. And actually, what's so interesting, Peter, is in the last six weeks, there is such infighting. This is what the media is not talking about. I think they are up now to 200 people killed in the West Bank. Palestinians on each other because the Palestinian people want the Fatah leaders To join Hamas, the Palestinian people in the West Bank are now saying to each other, if you have a rifle, because you know a lot of them have rifles that they shoot at weddings and celebration, they're saying if you have a rifle, you need to either use it or give it to Hamas. So don't fool yourself by thinking, oh, the Palestinian people in the West Bank are much nicer. The only reason they're much nicer is because they're not funded by Iran. They don't have a way to communicate with Iran to go kill the Jews. But rest assured, right now they are empowered, they are inspired, they are excited, they are mobilized. They are thinking, how can we become like Hamas? How can we make a name for ourselves like Hamas, as the heroes, the brave, the Islamic fighters, instead of the cowards, the weak the sell off to Israel? This is what this is a talk on the on the Arab street right now. And this is the talk on the Arab street, not just within the Palestinian territories, but through Throughout the Arabic world on the streets, don't, you know, don't get yourself. The Arabic streets are cheering Hamas because they all hate the Jews. It's not about the Palestinians. It's about hating Israel and hating the Jews. And and, and I think a little history lesson here is very important. Remember, Peter, when the PLO was founded in 1964, When the PLO was founded in 1964, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, it was founded to wipe Israel off the map. At that time, Gaza was in the hand of Egypt with an Egyptian flag flying over Gaza, and the West Bank was in the hands of Jordan. A Jordanian flag was flying over Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. So when Yasser Arafat started the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, He was not liberating Gaza or the West Bank. Those were Jordan and Egypt. So what was he liberating? He was liberating back to the line of 48, Israel proper. They did not want an Israeli state to exist in the Middle East. But most people do not know their history. Most people ignore history. The history is boring. It's not interesting. But, you know, somehow it's fashionable today in any country in the West, not just in our country. Not to teach history. History is boring, so they ignore it. But that's the reality on the ground. They want to wipe Israel off the map. Fatah is no better than Hamas. Fatah is just weaker than Hamas. Meanwhile, the leaders of both organizations, the leaders of Fatah and the leaders of Hamas are all mega-millionaires, multi-multi-multi-millionaires from all the AIDS that has gone to the Palestinian territory. They siphoned it off to their pocket. And it didn't go to the poor people who needed it. It went to their pockets with all their banks in Switzerland and in Paris and, and London and everywhere else. They are all rich, so they have a vested interest in keeping the charade going.
0: Let, you, you touched on that hatred of Israel. And, I mean, I very much see this in the media and talk about it in the religious context, in the hatred that Islam has of the Jewish people. And that eternal enmity or hatred has has been there uh, for what, 1,300 years plus. Of course, no one wants to talk about that because then you've got another issue that you have to deal with. If this is just land, then you can discuss that and carve a bit here, carve a bit there. Um, but, I mean, that conversation needs to be had, and that's why I think, actually, it you do have a stalemate because you've got the history of hatred, and the only thing that seems to make the islamic nations happy would be wiping israel off the face of the earth
1: exactly jew hatred and contest with uh, in context of islam this is the subject that nobody wants to talk about because it's very uncomfortable you know two things people do not want to talk about politics and religion and when you're talking about the religion of islam you are talking about politics and religion mixed in one islam Is a political movement cloaked in religion. So let's talk about Islam. You know, we all heard about the yellow star and, you know, and people think that was a German invention. The yellow star was an Islamic invention in the ninth century in Iraq by Khalif al-Mutawakkil, the second Khalif of Iraq, who invented the yellow star to identify the Jews as they walked down the street because Jews under Islam are considered najis. Najis is an Arabic word that describes filth, bodily waste, uh, dogs. Those are considered Najis. Jews are in the same category. So the Khalifa al-Mutawakkil invented the yellow star to identify the Jews when they walked down the street. So when they were walking down the street, if a Muslim man was coming... The Jew had to cross to the other side of the street as not to dirty the Muslim man who was of higher status, clean, who was walking this way. That's why they invented the yellow star. Germany, Hitler copied the yellow star because Germany was working with Khalif, uh, the uh, Al Khalif of Jerusalem, the Mufti uh, Hussein in Jerusalem, who flew to Germany, worked with Hitler, shared with them what the Islamists did to defeat the Jews, and that's how Germany came up with the yellow star and used it. And as a matter of fact. Hitler had a Muslim division headed by Mufti al-Husseini of Jerusalem, who was advising Hitler on how to deal with the Jews.
0: Wow, Uh, but expand because obviously Hamas, even in the name, is what Islamic resistance movement. It is purely Islam, Um, and you you can't. No matter how much the Jewish community wants to get away from that, they can't. And of course, that is the fear that that religious context pulls other nations in uh that is that, that is obviously the big fear
1: well well look other nations know this stuff don't you think jordan knows this stuff don't you think saudi arabia knows this stuff why do you think in saudi arabia people like you and me cannot visit uh, al-harabayn cannot visit al-qaba cannot visit cannot visit the medina Why do you think that is? Because we are considered filth. We're not allowed because we are Christians and Jews. We are not allowed to enter those cities. Not even Donald Trump went there when he visited Saudi Arabia. Nobody can go there unless you're a Muslim. So it's not that. They don't know that stuff. It's we on our side who are pretending this stuff does not exist because we are uncomfortable discussing it. Because it makes us uncomfortable discussing it. Nobody wants to talk about it because nobody wants to create ripples. It's time. This is why we talk about why Islam needs reforming and why these moderate leaders need to stand up and speak up. But the moderate leaders only stand up and speak up out of fear of Israel and out of respect for Israel. Uh, Sadat signed the peace treaty with Israel, not because he loved the Jews so much, but because after the 67 war and the 73 war, they realized they cannot beat the Jews. And if you cannot beat the Jews, okay, you have to live with them. We might as well live in peace. He realized, I'm not going to spend the rest of my days fighting with Israel. And that's why Sadat said, let's sign a peace treaty. Jordan did the same thing. Jordan followed. Not because they loved Israel so much, because they realized, look, we have been involved with war with Israel, in 57 in 67 in 73 We're not going to be able to win against them. They are there to stay. We might as well have peace. Notice today, after all the problems, this is where you are seeing now more writers in the Arabic press writing, whether in Egypt and Jordan, if we would have known Israel could be defeated, maybe we shouldn't have signed the peace treaty with Israel. People, you know, I know Israelis want to be tolerated. They talk about tolerance all the time. Oh, tolerance. Tolerance is a major thing in the Jewish language. I would much rather be respected than tolerated because people tolerate you only for so long, as long as they have to tolerate you. But when they respect you, tolerance becomes a side effect of respect because they're not going to want to mess with you. And so this is why... You know, this is an issue that more people need to be talking about. And this is why we need to stand with Israel. We need to support Israel. Israel is truly the front line on this war against Western civilization. Israel is the pinnacle. It's the tip of the spear. We need to realize that Iran, which calls Israel the great Satan. Remember, Israel is the little Satan. We are the big Satan. We are the end goal. Israel is just in the way in the Middle East. Iran wants to establish hegemony, and Israel is just an eyesore in its shoulder.
0: Tell me, because those countries around, and you obviously have an understanding growing up in Lebanon, you look at Lebanon and and Syria being countries in, in chaos, um, obviously Hezbollah based up there in the north in Lebanon, uh, but then you've got also on the other side the kind of the economic side, that Israel have normalized ties with countries, uh, trade links, and the relationships with Egypt and Jordan are probably better than they have been in the past. Um, And then, of course, you've got Iran being the outlier that anything can happen there, literally. Um, How does that kind of fit in, that closeness with some countries and not wanting tension because realizing that money talks, and other countries that are in a mass, and therefore anything can spring up and spark things further.
1: Well, peace leads to economic prosperity. Right now, the reason why they are making money with Israel in Jordan and in Egypt and in Qatar and in those areas that signed, uh, 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 like uh, Dubai, and those areas that that were involved in the Abraham Accord as well that Trump was trying to put together and bring together Peace brings prosperity along with it. And when you don't have peace, you don't have the prosperity. And right now, even though we're talking about prosperity and economic you know, cooperation, how many Israelis do you think right now would dare walk in Egypt wearing their yellow star? Any street in Egypt. How many Israelis do you know right now can go or will go vacation in Jordan and wear their yellow star and walk down the street? Zero you and i know the truthful answer to that question zero so people have economic uh, prosperity and they have peace with you when they respect you when they perceive you as strong thankfully that is holding in jordan that is holding in egypt hopefully it's going to hold in other countries as well the reason in Lebanon and in Syria and those other countries, uh, they don't have peace with Israel, is because they've got Iran supporting them fight Israel. Um, they've, you've, got, you've got Iran trying to build another counterpower to America and the Middle East. So Iran is working with Russia, which is supporting um, uh, uh, Assad in Syria. Remember, Russia prepped up Assad in Syria and kept him protected. He is still here. How, what, what was last time we heard anything about Bashar Assad in Syria? Remember five years ago, it was all the news. He gassed his own people. Speaking of gassing his own people, how come we were not seeing demonstrations in the streets in every major city across the globe about the 6,000 Muslims in Syria who were gassed by their own leader, Bashar al-Assad? Where were those demonstrations? What, those lives don't matter? Only Palestinian lives matter? You know, yeah, yeah, the double standard is is mind boggling. But the reason why uh, Hezbollah is empowered, Syria is empowered is because they are funded by Iran and they will continue to be funded by Iran as long as America has a weak president like senile Joe Biden or Obama before him who empowered Iran, who sent uh, pallets of money to Iran like Obama in the middle of the night in cash on pallets landing at the airport. Biden, right before this whole brouhaha, gave $6 billion to Iran uh, that now we are trying to pause and put a pause on so they cannot touch it. Uh, Why? That's exactly how Iran can use the money to fund terrorism. When you have a president like President Trump, who basically had Iran almost suffocating, he had tightened the rope around Iran's neck so much with the sanctions, they were on the verge of collapse. But unfortunately, uh, you saw what happens with the election in the United States. We have now senile Joe Biden uh, sitting at the White House. And again, Iran is back being empowered courtesy of the Democratic Party in the United States.
0: Well, let me ask you about that international community response because it's been initially intriguing watching all the voices come out in support of Israel because you can't do anything else when you see what happened on October the 7th. We've then seen the massive demonstrations. We have them every weekend here in London, all over the world. Uh, We see it on social media. Um, And there's that pressure on governments and it's intriguing to watch obviously biden initially coming out in support of israel that goes against the the democrat party and there'll be tensions there how do you see kind of all that playing out
1: actually can i answer the thing about biden you know going and supporting israel you know which was against the democratic party okay let's be clear biden was not there to support israel Biden was forced Israel to invite him. Blinken showing up immediately in Israel, sitting with the war cabinet for seven hours, trying to convince them not to go into Gaza, forced them to invite Joe Biden. Joe Biden went there because Joe Biden knew as long as he is in the Middle East, he is basically Hamas's, uh human shield, which will stop Israel from invading Gaza. As long as Biden wasn't Israel. Israel was not going to go into Gaza. And the reason why Biden was there is to tell Israel, look, we're not going to give you or stand with you or give you the, the bunker buster bombs unless you agree on humanitarian aid to Gaza and to allow the humanitarian aid to enter biden was not there to support israel biden was there to twist israel's arm to agree to the biden handlers because biden doesn't have a brain it's whoever handling biden telling biden that you know we need to, to, to send support for hamas we need to allow these trucks to enter and give gate to israel and they told israel we are not going to give you bunker busters unless you agree to that knowing that they had israel by the you know what Israel needed the bunker busters because that's the only way they can bomb the tunnels before they go into Gaza. They needed to be able to block and destroy those tunnels before they enter Gaza on the ground. And that's why Biden was there. Biden was not there because he loves Israel. He wants Israel to be strong. Biden was there for a reason. And the reason was more to benefit Hamas than to actually benefit Israel.
0: And we've seen the same from the, the media uh, initially as what else could you do in right. those pictures um, of, from the 7th. But then I've certainly witnessed a, a slow change, certainly in the UK, looking at the European media or focusing on, well, um these poor people they're simply living their lives they're in a hospital that gets attacked by the Israelis and um, and um the suffering and the pictures and that's coming out and Israel have always had a PR problem in the media, always that's right. and you see this beginning to come out again
1: Yes, they still and they still don't know how to defend themselves even though they've got a Hasbara department, you know, we, we need to get together and give some tips to the Israeli government on how to defend themselves on how to do PR but they don't, and look I have sent emails to Israel. I have personally, I have appealed to the Israeli government to release the footage, the Hamas footage of the massacres that they have done. Israel has not released it yet. The world needs to see the images just like ISIS. You know, Hamas recorded their atrocities just like ISIS used to record theirs. ISIS used to send theirs to Al Jazeera and Al Jazeera gladly aired it of the beheading of, of the 20 Christian cops on the shores of whatever they beheaded them uh, or whatever massacres, burning a guy in uh, a tank, uh, a pilot. I mean, remember Israel, uh, uh, ISIS used to brag about these things and Al Jazeera was glad to show all these images. On the other hand, Israel is reluctant to to release the Hamas footage, shooting the rape, shooting the cutting of a mother's stomach and getting the baby out. I mean, it is horrific images that the world has not seen yet. So this is exactly what gives the Palestinian a way out to saying, oh, it's ill, hor it's all hearsay. None of this happened. This is all Israeli lies. Meanwhile, Israel is killing all these Palestinians which is absolutely not true. I mean, the Palestinians, who are the Ministry of Health, are, are, are broadcasting information out, the exaggerated beyond exaggeration. I mean, they're talking about that 30,000 people dead in Gaza so far, and all the wounded and injured. Really? There are 3,000 hospital beds in Gaza. So where are the rest? Where are they? Show us images. Okay? So 30,000 people died. Where did you bury them? Where are they? Where did you bury them? I mean, you know, the numbers don't add up. The Gazans are not talking about how many Hamas soldiers have died. So far, from the beginning of this war, we have not heard about one Hamas soldier dead. Really? With all the bombing, not one soldier dead? What about the heads of Hamas that died? Not one? We hear it from Israel when they kill somebody, but we don't hear it from Hamas. So we know the numbers are lying. Israel needs to come out and show the world the footage that they have, the monstrosities that Hamas committed against Israel, perpetrated against Israel. And I think if Israel does that, we will see a little bit of a change uh, on the world stage with the sympathy. But Israel is not releasing those messages. And all they're hearing are from, uh, is from the Palestinians saying this is all lies. Nothing really happened. Otherwise, Israel would have showed it. You know, Israel talks about beheaded children. We haven't seen anything yet. They've got to show it. And so th- that's the problem. And again, the media is always on the side of the Palestinians because the Palestinians scream and yell and talk about feelings while the Israelis are about logic. Israelis talk about legal stuff. You know, resolution, you know, UN article, uh, resolution 242, article one and two, they send you these big generals who speak with heavy accents. Well, the Palestinians, on the other hand, talk about oh, the poor old woman sitting in the hot sun in Gaza at a cross point for eight hours. She was about to faint and pass out because the bloody Israelis wouldn't let her pass. So the Palestinians talk about. Human suffering, they paint images with their words while the Israelis talk about Resolution 242, Article 1 and 2. That's how Israel loses the PR relationship, the PR relation.
0: Let, let, let me finish off on um, kind of how this plays out. I mean, his, can you defeat Hamas? Obviously, Netanyahu, uh, this is his third time as, as PM. He has been a, a fixture on the Israeli political scene since what the mid '90s, I'm um, probably before then, but Prime Minister since '96 in, in three spells. Um, I mean, he's fighting for his legacy as well, um, and I'm wondering: it actually is—is is it achievable to destroy an enemy that not only has absolute hatred for you, but also has spent so long preparing? this and Israel thought when they pulled out of Gaza in 2005 they thought that's it we're now out of this but now they've been sucked back in so kind of as you as you look ahead um Bibi's legacy but also is it possible to actually get rid of this neighbor that is always on the edge of attacking
1: you cannot get rid of an enemy that doesn't fear you Back when Israel actually fought wars to win wars, not caring what the UN thought, not caring about the world media, back when Israel won 67, back when Israel won 73, the whole world was on the side of Israel. Israel fought a bloody war without caring what the UN thinks of Israel. So when Israel fought wars to win wars, the people respected Israel. When the new Israeli population started fighting wars, thinking, oh, is the UN going to like us? Oh, my gosh, we know the UN is going to say bad things about us. Oh, my goodness, what is America going to think about us? And the new generation wanted to live in in, in a place, oh, we don't want to fight wars anymore. We want to leave. You know, we want to have peace with them this whole new weak generation who thought we can have peace with our enemies because after all, we're all wonderful and we all want to have a party and we all want to go to concerts. And of course, Palestinian children would love to attend concerts as well. And of course, you know, Palestinians want to live in peace as well. The Israeli side forgot what it's like because they had moved so far away from the Holocaust, they forgot how much people hated them. And when people hate you so much, I think this was a wake up call to Israel to realize people really want to kill you and not only kill you in Israel. They want to kill the Jews anywhere else in the world. They hate the Jewish people. When you see people in America screaming death to the Jews, when you see people in Australia screaming, annihilate the Jews. When you hear people from Europe on the streets, you know, less than 100 years since the Holocaust, screaming, kill the Jews. The Jewish people worldwide need to realize we have to create a country where we have to fight to survive, period. It's about us. It's not not about anybody else. People in Australia do not want to kill the Americans. They're not saying kill all the Christians. They're not saying wipe the Buddhists off the map. They want to wipe the Jews off the map. So we need to defend ourselves. And so for Netanyahu, Netanyahu's legacy is going to be he fought as hard as he can for Israel. It's the weaklings in Israel who got so distracted and the little minutiae about whatever. And I'm not familiar with the politics inside Israel. You know, obviously I'm an outsider. I have no idea what they were fighting about. You know, we hear on the outside, they were fighting over the, the judges and the judicial system. But obviously we're not members of the country. We do not know the intricacies of the inner fighting or the disagreements within whatever country. Uh, so... But when you look at the big scope, when you look at the world picture, at policies, like I mentioned to you at the beginning of this interview, I don't vote for a man, I vote for policies. Because like I said in the beginning of this interview, when I started my organization, George Bush was in power, Obama came to power, Trump came to power, Biden is in power, Biden's going to go, whoever else is going to come to power. I look at policies, not the man. The man is going to come and go. And what Israel needs is a man who is willing to fight for the security and safety for Israel. Forget the name. Look at the policies. Are the policies good for Israel's survival? Is, is, is Iran going to fear a Houd Barak or are they going to fear Netanyahu? Is Iran going to fear a lefty? Controller of Israel as a right-wing war hawk controller of Israel. You have to think through your enemy's eyes in order to secure your own safety. And so uh, the only way Israel, Israel is gonna be judged, not Netanyahu as a leader, but the Isra- Israel, Israel's leadership in general, because Israel is a democratic nation and it's more than one man, it's a leadership. They elect their representative. And so Israel is gonna be judged. Whether the Jews took their eye off the ball and became too weak and too gullible to think they can have peace with people who repeatedly say, we hate you, we want to kill you. And the Jews are not listening to those and they are not hearing the lessons of history, believe those who say they want to kill you because they usually follow through. That's how history is going to judge Israel. Not not, not Netanyahu as a person, but Israeli leadership in general.
0: Bridget, Gabriel, I love having you on. Your insights on not only Islam, but the, the region in the Middle East is is phenomenal. Um, and I love the work that Act for America do, actforamerica.org, uh, one of the premier grassroots organizations in America that will show the viewers and listeners how to get involved and how to really make a difference. So thank you so much for yes. joining us today.
1: Thank you, absolutely. Thank you for having me with you. And I encourage everybody, if you love Israel, if you agree with my point of view and the way I was discussing, please go to actforamerica.org and join us. We work on national security policy, and we believe Israel is a part of America's national security. That's how we were able to censure Rashida Tlaib. We led the charge in censuring Rashida Tlaib in Congress. We led the charge in, in isolating the support for Israel from the big bill in finance to make sure Israel gets the support. If you are a lover for Israel, please go to our website, actforamerica.org. Take action on our Act Now National. We have many bills right now to support Israel and the Jewish people and Israeli policies. Please take action. If you are an American watching us right now, anywhere in the world, Please take action on our Act Now campaign and go to actforamerica.org. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me with you. It's always such a pleasure to be with you.
0: Love having you on and it's perfect that you've left the viewers with something they can actually do because I think often uh, people feel maybe powerless in situations. Um, and it's great that this, at the finishing this interview, they can go um, and they can go to the website and they can actually sign up and make a difference. So thank you for what you do. And Bridget, thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you, my friend. Have a great day.
0: If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsovoke.org. Thank you for listening.